So let's start talking about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am Syrian. I am an artist, illustrator, and uh, I'm also a clown. So basically, I'm a freelancer and I work between the two. I live currently in Beirut. And yeah, I left Syria in 2013 out of despair, but not uh, out of uh, major reason as like I'm not uh, targeted or my house is uh, destroyed. But because I felt that uh, I just need to move and try to find some useful thing to do somewhere else. So I moved to Beirut. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you're Syrian. You're living in exile, although nearby in Beirut, Lebanon. And on your website, you talk about the love-hate relationship with the three cities where you've lived, Damascus, Beirut, and London. Would you want to share some thoughts on this love-hate relationship with these three cities? As any person, any individual else, we will have like positive things in the cities that we are living at and negative things. And starting with Damascus, of course, it is my home. It is my identity. I have like my memory, a lot of things that I am trying to keep in my memory, regardless of what is going on now and the changes that happening to the city itself from gentrification and poor and hardship uh, of living because of the war. I'm trying to keep this nice image about it, uh, the old city and the beautiful streets that we we have in Damascus. But still, in Damascus, I didn't feel that I can be myself. So when I moved to Beirut, I had the opportunity to try a lot of things. So I participated in clowning workshop and I became a clown. I tried to be an actress in a, a play and I was drawing and I think I had like more space to work on my art and work on my style but also like Beirut as Syria as Damascus has like its political context and which is very difficult and yeah it pushes you away but you are like you know trying to keep the faith and believe that your city or this country is gonna be better some someday I don't know when maybe after 100 years <laughs> and and then uh, I moved to London for, for a scholarship. I studied arts and cultural management at King's College, but it was like a very intensive year. And this year I failed. I realized that I'm uh, dyslexic. Yeah, I've never known that before. I'm, I was like 35 years old. And I had a, like a very big car accident in one of the suburbs and I was hospitalized and... Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I stopped uh, from studying for a while. I, I, I met my love and uh, got engaged and got married while studying in London. So, yeah, it was a very difficult year, but a lot of good things happened. Even like the accident, afterwards I managed to uh, think about my future and think about like what, what I want to do. So I realized that I want to be a freelance artist and... I just want to work in art. So, yeah, it helped me to take uh, a lot of big decisions. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful for the three cities because otherwise I wouldn't be myself. 
Mm-hmm. And all of that, all of these experiences have shaped you and shaped your artwork. So many of your illustrations have this theme of Syria and the revolution. Eight years after the Syrian people revolted against Bashar al-Assad regime, what's left of the revolution in your view? Uh, I think uh, at a certain point, I might be a dreamer, but yes, we have to keep dreaming. I think like the revolution on 2011 planted seeds, and these seeds will take years until they grow up. I believe that what happened, combining the mistakes and the right things that happened from 2011 and onwards, the next generation will will make use of these of this experience, and I'm hoping that uh, they will continue our way and continue to change. Maybe like it is a lesson learned to to know that uh, peaceful change is more. Yeah, more effective, if I, if I would say. It's, it is something that it is a very long way, but it is the result is more guaranteed than uh, armed revolution. And I think this, is, this was a lesson learned. I hope that we take it and learn from it, mm-hmm. and the next generation will know how to proceed. And how do you express that in your art? Um, there's uh, a lot of uh, illustration. I I try to highlight the issue of, for example, there is one of them called the civil society. There is a woman who's like holding a rifle and she's uh, trying to prevent the bullet from coming out, and a lot of other hands trying to hold the rifle and take it to use it. So I show in the illustration how. Uh, a woman because I'm representing myself and how I feel and because I think um, at a certain point like life is a woman and land is a woman and uh, and she's trying to, to stop the war elements. You have this new project also, The Secret of the Raindrops. It's a short animation film and you've written the story as well as done the illustrations And this is, I know, one of your interests is to talk about arbitrary detention against civil society activists by different actors in the Syrian conflict and the struggle to release those uh, prisoners of conscience. Do you want to talk a little bit about this film? Okay, I'm going to tell you the story of this film. Mm -hmm. So basically, when I got my scholarship in 2015, I think like one one month before traveling to London, my friend was detained. She was a peaceful activist and uh, basically she was detained because of her activities in helping children to get education in the opposition area. She was detained by who? Do you want to share that? By the government, by the city government. Mm -hmm. And the story of uh, the secret of raindrops, I started it before that uh, with her chat on, on chat. I was trying to, you know, entertain her and tell her a story. So I made up this on spot story about a girl, her, her name is Lana. And yeah, I created like some parts of the story. Mm-hmm. And then when Lana was detained, my friend's name is Lana. I wanted to do something for her. So I gathered this part of the story and uh, rewrite them with the help of a friend because I'm not a writer, Mm -hmm. but he helped me to reconstruct the story. 
And I created the story, and then I illustrated the story, and, and then I made this book. This story is basically a very symbolic, talks about a girl who's trying to know the whereabouts of her mother who disappears in the woods, and instead a raindrop remained tangled on a branch, on a tree, a tree branch, with the mother's name written inside it. And basically, a deer comes at this moment and takes the teardrop to take it to the witch who gathers those raindrops and for, for an unknown reason. So Lana tries to know what's the secret of this raindrops and how she could find her mother and she make her trip to the witch to know how she can release her mother. So... Um, it's a very, um, yeah, as a well, yeah, fiction, and it represents prisoners of conscience and their struggle when they've been uh, detained because of their opinion and their whereabouts is totally unknown. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's a huge number in Syria. We're talking thousands of, of people. Of course, it's it's a huge number, and unfortunately, a lot of them, a lot, I don't know like the exact number, but a lot of them face death because of either like unhealthy situation or because of torture and I think it is a shame that this is still happening in this in this world and I don't think it is something that is only related to Syria because I know a lot of other countries that Mm -hmm. still have the same approach to a position and I was hoping that in this story, and I made a f- short animation from it, I was hoping to try to advocate for this case, not only for Syria, but also for any, any country that has the same issue. Mm-hmm. And the film was nominated for an award. It was selected by the Bangalore Film Festival in India. Mm-hmm. And today I got also like uh, an email saying that it was selected by Short India Film Festival. Are you going to put the entire film on YouTube or for now I I saw the trailer? Yeah, yes, I will. But I'm waiting only like for another month just to get answers from uh, festivals. But Mm -hmm. afterwards, for sure, I'm going to put it on online. And for anyone who follows Arab arts uh, of different genres, you could see that there's this perhaps explosion of Syrian art since the revolution of the people in 2011. Of course, Syria had always had this rich cultural scene, but we're also seeing a sort of a flourishing of visual arts, indie music and film, uh, etc., and a challenging of social norms and the politics in Syria. How can you explain this phenomenon? Well, it is part of the research I told you about also that I'm doing right now, which is about the Syrian cultural memory and its relation with the, with the arts. Basically, I would make a little bit of correction. Like before 2011, the art was restricted to the ideology, the Ba'ath ideology and the ideology of the government. So basically, it was very limited. I think it was like very limited. For example, we we used to have very good drama, but I think the drama was used to make the people, you know, release their tension of the oppression they used to suffer from. Mm -hmm. And it is like a technique 
to make them uh, absorb the oppression and not try not to object it. Exactly. But in terms of like visual arts, um, no, I don't think it was uh, uh, rich at all because like I was working in uh, Syria as an animator and we were like super struggling to find, you know, platforms to create art that is not commercial, that it is not ideologic, that is not uh, religious. It's always like fall under certain, you know, limitation. But after the 2011, like, first of all, we, we had to the chance to express our uh, opinions for the first time of, in our life. We, uh, we wanted to tell messages and we wanted to advocate for what is going on in Syria. Some of the artists, of course, they were targeted because of that. And for those who traveled away, uh, they had like a chance to express more and develop their art and and basically it is also something very important for our identity especially if you are in the exile like in not in an arabic country in beirut it's very similar to damascus but when i was in london i felt the urgency to tell about myself as a Syrian, I felt uh, there are a lot of stereotypes about Syrians and I want to uh, challenge stereotypes. I felt the urgency of drawing and it was my relief Mm. to do so. And I believe that many of other artists did the same and of course they had the chance to exchange their experience with the others and that will expand their knowledge and expand their skills. So yes, um, that's what I think happened mm-hmm. before and after 2011. And you also have many beautiful pieces that talk about women, themes of patriarchy, women's liberation, and gender and sexuality. For example, you worked on some commissioned art for the publication Al Jumhuriya. Do you want to talk a little bit about the theme of women in your art? Of course, as I told you before, that I always draw a woman because I'm representing myself and because I believe that I am strong enough to to do something. I'm stronger than before, of course. And I believe there are lots of other women who are very strong. I, I don't want to be like exclusive of like just talking about women. I believe that strength is, is there in women and men. But because I'm, I'm talking about myself, I draw women mainly in uh, the illustration. And about the Jumhuriya, it was a really interesting project because basically I was like, not only like uh, drawing an illustration that represent an article, but basically I had to read all the articles. And it was like a very interesting topics about gender, sexuality and authority. And I learned a lot because it, I didn't, read as much as that about this topic and it was really inspiring especially when i drew this articles where people talk about their own experience it was amazing especially when i knew that the illustration was seen by the author but the writer and they liked it and they felt that it is really representing them so i like this relationship with the authors Mm -hmm. and I like to investigate and explore if I can really draw something that really represent their ideas I'll be so happy when they tell me like yes we we really love 
the illustration. So one of my favorite is uh, an article written by Raif, and it's uh, it's called I Am the Gay. It is one of the most beautiful articles I ever read, and it is real and it is a, a very humane uh, experience. And our listeners can check that out in English, right? I think many of their articles yeah. are are in, available in English and Arabic. Yes, true. Do you think this type of art can empower people, especially women in this time, in this very difficult time where Syrian people are facing a lot of trauma and being scattered, the dispossession of the people? Well, I would hope so that my, my art will have this impact. I think it will inspire them. Sometimes they, it will give them a kind of relief for example, like I worked with uh, a campaign called Al Ghuta. Uh, it is an uh, area in the suburbs of Damascus, and it was uh, taken by the regime. I think it was last year. I, I can't remember the date precisely. But the thing is, the civilians were stuck between, you know, the fight, and a lot of them were trying to campaign about stopping, like protecting the civilians, protecting the children. And this campaign called Al Ghuta, it's available online. They were trying to say that those people who are stuck in this area, they are human beings, they love, they miss, and they want to live. Basically, I did illustration for several topics. One of them is called Love Is, and it was about love stories in the besieged area. The second topic about displacement. And I remember that one of the stories is about a mother who left behind the grave of her daughter because she was forced, evicted from Ghuta, and she was missing that she can't go and visit her daughter's grave. And when I was drawing this illustration, I was like trying my best to show these people in a, in, in a beautiful image because they deserve that show her daughter in a beautiful in a beautiful way and I, I i read her comment that she was so, so happy as if she's seeing her daughter again she was so happy with the illustration and also like you know she was grieving because she can't see her grave again so i think it's it's kind of like not that i will give them relief but i will kind of show them support and solidarity and maybe at a certain point, they, the, like someone will be inspired of uh, the illustration and whether she is a woman or whether a man and believe that maybe they will do something in this day when they see the illustration. Yes, I'm going to do something today. I hope that I will do that. Mm -hmm. I hope that my art will do that. And it looks like one common theme that we can see in your work is your attempt to have an artistic and creative representation of Syrian life, especially with the current realities that you were just describing. In fact, your MA work, if I'm not mistaken, centered around the whole idea of reclaiming the Syrian narrative. Uh, you do that also through the project, the Creative Memory Archive of the Syrian Revolution. Do you want to say something about that? Like it was one of the archives that I was researching with this, within this research. So basically, it is about the cultural memory and it is about the usage of art to preserve the stories of people. In my master's uh, thesis uh, project, it was about if we collected the stories of ordinary people who contributed in uh, helping their community and 
doing activities to support the surroundings during the revolution and the war and transform these stories into visual narratives. Is this going to help us as Syrians to reclaim our agency and change our speech and also contribute in the reconstructing of the cultural memory? And the main motive of this research is basically I can't remember the the main quote, but it is like if you you know plan for the cultural memory, you're shaping the future mm-hmm. because the next generation will check these stories, check the art that happened during this period, and they will be inspired and motivated by it. But if they see that the Syrian history or the Syrian memory is all about death and victimization and crisis. I don't know how they would be motivated as much as if they see that a lot of Syrians were were trying to do something and change and uh, spread messages. So this is what the research is about. And I created a story while I was in the... In the university, it's called the uh, uh, country uh, that lost its song, and this is on my Facebook. It's uh, just missing one, the last uh, illustration, the ending, <laughs> and it talks about like the. So it's like I, a series. It is instead of like publishing the story, I publish it each illustration by putting the text related next to it. Mm. So I was like you know, introducing the, the followers of my page to the stories uh, time by time. I didn't post it all, all, mm-hmm. all of it uh, uh, at the same time. And I still have the ending that I didn't post yet. And it is about the peaceful activism and the peaceful revolution. I, and I symbolize it with the song. And it is, it is based on, on memory. It is based on how I was perceiving the 2012 when I wrote a very draft uh, of the story, how I was perceiving the revolution and how I, was, how I had high hopes mm. to peacefully change the situation in Syria. And then I am doing now the second part, which is if we're going to do this approach of like collecting the story, how we guarantee that it's going to happen in an inclusive way. So basically I'm researching some of memory initiatives that emerged from 2011 till now and seeing how they worked and assessing their approaches and how and if they tried to reach for all Syrians or part of them and and how they used art and all this thing. I'm still in its initial stage, but... Yeah. Yeah, and that's very important what you're talking about because it seems to me, especially when you're living maybe in the West and are not part of these contexts that you're describing, what we see, what we tend to see mostly in media and media coverage of a situation like currently Syria is just images of death and destruction. And it becomes a very victimizing image of the people themselves. So having those type of projects like the ones you're doing and art and creative expression is a great way to show the richness of a culture, to show the depth also of people's lives that obviously are very difficult lives, but at the same time, there's more to them than just the image of the victim. 
Exactly. And this is the thing that uh, the life of the people never ended because of the war. It means like it is not uh, a flourishing, of course, but I, I lived like at least at three, three years in Damascus while the revolution and it was like a very intensive time. I believe that we didn't lose the will to live. Uh, and uh, so many people I knew in the besieged area, they worked every day. And they worked in initiatives that try to cover the gaps of education, cover the, the gaps of the child protection uh, situation in Syria, which was not available at all uh, before 2011. And after, after that, a whole network was created for child protection policies. And there's a lot of things that happened in Syria after 2011. Until now, although the people are like the general situation in Syria is a despair because people is, are living in a very hardship because basic services is not available in Damascus. Uh, Idlib is now being shelled and we are expecting another uh, scenario of eviction. Mm. Uh, I don't know where. There's nowhere they can go to. But still, I believe that people will remain to work and there is incredible stories of, you know, survival and humanity. And we just need to collect these stories and just transfer them to the world. And it makes me also think a little bit about international response and how the work you're doing and other thinkers and artists are doing that are important to kind of shape as well the international response, the international aid that happens, whether it's in Syria or in places where Syrians live, whether it's refugee camps or communities, just upholding the dignity of people, empowering people to find solutions for their own problems, as opposed to imposing and treating people as victims. I think the work you do definitely pushes us to think beyond just this dichotomy of donor or savior and recipient to a more empowering relationship of people who face conflict and disasters. Yeah, regarding this point, Mira, I want to say something very important. We need to change the relationship with, let me use the right term, the international NGOs. And this is something that I was discussing, for example, with my scholarship, like the scholarship team, which I got. And basically, I was telling them that we need to change this relationship. What is going on is basically big conferences are still happening now in, in Beirut, for example, where a lot of international and expats are, are invited and like a very few Syrians, I don't know in which criteria they were selected. And all of a sudden, all these people want to talk about peace in Syria. Mm-hmm. How come? Where is the Syrian that they, they need to discuss this? It's not about the international community. It's about Syrians themselves mm-hmm. to be presented and uh, speak for themselves. It is really important to feel that we need to gain the trust with the international community that we lost uh, within this eight years. I believe in individuals, of course. Uh, a lot of people were supporting from all around the world. It is... It is no uh, no difference of uh, nationality. When a human being wants to support, he will support, she will support, regardless from where they are. But the problem of the international approach is very uh, up-to-bottom approach. And I think 
they spend a lot of money. <laughs> and the results of the conference is basically it's intangible mm-hmm. and they can't use it. So we need to be more represented in the conference as students if they really want to, to the solutions. We need to be represented. We need to speak for ourselves and not to struggle to be available. And mm. it is shame. Building up on that, I wanted to move to a different part of what you do, which is clowning. You're part of this group called Clown Me In. And it's a clown group uh, where other Syrians and Lebanese clowns are involved. And you guys visit refugee camps and you work with children. That sounds fun. Uh, tell us tell us a little bit more about that. Well, uh, yeah, it is my survival mechanism <laughs> during this time. On 2011, I met Sabine Shukair and she's the founder of Kamian and we became best friends and on 2014 she invited me to participate in a clowning workshop and this workshop helped me a lot because I was victimizing myself I was like in a <laughs> in a situation where I was like hitting everybody not trusting anyone and I was like feeling that and I was like oh my god I need to do something about it <sighs> and when I participated in this workshop and it is really fun it is about like laughing all the time and the main thing that you worked on is basically discover your clown character and the clown character is basically is your weaknesses and exaggerating them so basically i was feeling insecure actually i was like suffering from insecurity at that time so i used this as a clown character so i will be the insecure clown and I'll be like the clown that can easily cry. And basically that helped me a lot to uh, be able to release my tensions and gain more confidence with myself and the confidence with the surroundings and communicate better with the people. And since then, we, we I started like to be part of the Clownian group. We were like doing some trial activities. We'll go to uh, like for street attacks to advocate about like, for example, traffic laws and uh, littering. And then when I traveled to London, in Lebanon, yeah. And when then I traveled to London, I, I continued to like follow Kami and I was like feeling, oh my God, I want to go back to Beirut because I, I felt the need to be on the ground with the people and to meet people in the camps, the grassroots, let's say, and interact with them. And this is what exactly happened. So I went back to Clownian, and now I'm a clown member. And basically, we do a tour every year. This year, we, we are planning to do another tour in the Syrian camps and, uh, and also in the Lebanese areas that, that don't have access for art and culture mm-hmm. activities. And it is really enjoyable thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, we laugh a lot while creating the show. We laugh a lot in the training. Every time I, I feel like a bad mood or sad, I feel that the tra- the rehearsals will, will make me feel better because I will be laughing with other clowns and I'll be acting silly and stupid and this is uh, the most enjoyable thing. <laughs> so it's therapeutic so, yeah. for you but what about also the children or the youth that you work with when you go to camps for example? It is uh, very entertaining for them. Uh, they lack these opportunities to laugh and play and we give them the, the, a little bit of show 
good time to remember that there are children. We're not only like speak to children, we speak to everyone. Everyone mm -hmm. can laugh from clowning and we try to do so. So we play with the adults and we play with the children and they will be like, you know, enjoying their time. And um, basically this is like the main thing that we do through clowning but also we try to advocate for certain things so we we advocate for uh, environment and recycling and about collaboration and teamwork yeah well I know I didn't cover everything that you do you have a lot that you do and amazing activities and amazing art I wanted to just give you the chance to say any final thoughts or anything you want listeners to know whether about you or the themes that you work with I use the art as my language and I hope that this language will be spreading all over the world because it's tackled human rights issue. And I hope that I will drag attention to Syria and drag attention to people and, and make people think about Syria, not in the usual stereotypes that they hear from media and uh, from the politics, but really listen to the people uh, and try to see people in this atrocities. Eventually, they are human beings. They are not killers. They are not only jihadis. They are people who are trying, struggling to survive. And uh, basically, I still have a dream to change. And uh, I hope that this change is not going to be only limited to Syria, but to the whole world, where people can live peacefully and a better living situation, regardless in which country mm -hmm. they are living at. And do you want to tell also our listeners how can they follow your work? Yes, I have a Behance uh, portfolio. My name is Dima Nashawi. I have a Facebook art page and Instagram. And for just for our listeners to know, it's Dima, D-I-M-A, Nashawi, N-A-S-H-A-W-I. And we're going to be also posting those details on our pages for people to know. And much of what you put on yeah. your Facebook yeah. page, for example, is bilingual in English and Arabic. So listeners can definitely check your amazing artwork. Dima, thank you so much for talking to All me right. today. Thank you, Mira.